And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore here with my guest, Jeff Stotts. You may know him as In Street Clothes on Twitter or from InStreetClothes.com. He is a sports injury expert. He's a certified athletic trainer. My buddy, Jeff, how's it going, man? I'm doing well, man. I'm so happy to see your face. Uh, ready uh, to do this. Uh, it's been far too long. It's sure. way too long. Well, we say this with everybody. Um, you know, you, you popped in my head because this new player rest policy has been the talk of the week. Uh, obviously, we all have sort of made fun of it here in the media. And I think that probably internally some of the teams have made fun of it because Man, it certainly seems uh, a bit far-fetched to expect these guys to to play 82 games after the way things have gone and, and with the prevalence of sports science and the understanding of the importance of, of rest and mitigating injury risk. And in particular, when you've got those back-to-backs and four games and you know five nights, which I think doesn't exist anymore. But when you're when you're playing four games in a week, uh guys you know, they need to rest a little bit. So I thought, why not ask the injury expert his opinion? So Jeff, how do you feel about the new player rest policy? Um, Is this something that's, that's going to work for the league as far as getting guys to be able to play more? Well, that's the, that's the hope, right? Like the whole plan is to have the best players playing basketball. And that's what we want. We all want that as fans of the game, we want the best players out there. You know, I think when decisions like this are being made, you kind of think we, we try to try to put like on just a graph or a chart. I think it needs to be more like a spider chart or, you know, one of those those radar maps, if you know what I'm talking about, where it's, mm-hmm. it's probably things being pulled in four, four different ways in this case. And we, we want to try to be centralized. But in the four corners, you've got the league, you've got the teams, you've got the players, and you've got the fans. And the, all four of those things are focused on NBA basketball. And we're trying to find something that delivers the best product and the best solution for all four of those entities. And I, I will be the first to say, I don't think there's some magic bullet that makes everybody happy. There's got to be concessions from, from each group to understand that, hey, if I want the best player to be playing in the playoffs, he might need some rest. Uh, he needs to potentially sit that last game of the season um, due, to, due to rest. But that does mean the fan that goes to that game does have to unfortunately not see that player play. And then the, the, the league has to say, well, maybe that's – and the bottom line is it gets convoluted, and I think this is the league's attempt to maybe give some of that control back or – and in some cases take some of that away to try to find this, this nebulous answer to the solution. And I think there's some good things about it, and I think there's some things that I, I don't love about it, and it's going to be an interesting to see how it's implemented moving forward because I, I think each group of those four pillars that I'm talking about can say, well, this really is good for us, but – this is also very bad. Isn't 82 games 
the real enemy here and not the rest. I mean, it, it just, number one, it devalues the games. It's not like the NFL where they play 17 and every single week is do or die or, or college football, which of course, you know, and again, those sports are just different, but basketball, you need more games, but certainly the 82 games is, is the real problem, right? Yeah. I, I, it's, it's a lot. You know, we look at 82 games over a 25 week season basically and that's a lot you know that's there's no real quick easy way to slice that i've always said even before we start talking about this 72 games if you want to keep the number that high 72 seems reasonable because if you take that over a 25 game season that's roughly three games a week which you know is a little bit of a concession there's going to be a week where maybe you play two games those kinds of things and adjust based on the arena schedules or the all-star break or whatever those exceptions are but now you're at least factoring in a little bit more rest, a little bit more accommodations. And then you couple that with things where the league has made some concession, like the baseball style scheduling and things like that, where now you can maybe incorporate and build some more, more rest days and natural inherent rest days into the, the schedule so that we're not necessarily having to drastically alter things. Could it be even cut in less? Absolutely. I think we could see that number drop even more. Uh, but, but again, I, I think if we're trying to, give a little bit from each one of those involved entities 72 seems reasonable to me even though i think we could probably go a little bit lower so the policy does have a few built-in uh you know caveats if you're an older player uh the resting rules may not apply and if you're dealing with an injury a previous injury so i'm assuming if you're a guy coming off an acl tear let's say so jamal murray last year probably would have been okay under this policy to to do his uh his sort of you know days off that that they scheduled but it feels like there's still going to be a lot of loopholes in this i mean the, the nba is full of guys who love to see the black and white rule and then find the gray in between and we know that from referee baiting and whatnot uh they already work the injury report so it seems like we're just going to see a little bit more of that right yeah absolutely so for you look at the you look at the rules and there seems to be like a lot of exceptions like oh this is a rare and unusual circumstance what for every you know, unique circumstance you make, you're creating another loophole, right? Well, we, well, technically I could just fall into this category. You know what I mean? So you've got a lot of exceptions, which again, does open the door for a lot of loopholes. Uh, one of the things uh, that I'm interested to see as a guy who tracks every single injury is does this trend that we're seeing of just vague soreness continue to climb? Because I think that's potentially a way to do it. You know, I, I went through my NBA injury database, which dates, dates back to 0506. And pulled out just the numbers of just vague soreness. So not anything specific, like if it was hamstring soreness, I didn't include that because that's a specific muscle, but you know, knee soreness, foot soreness, back soreness. I just looked at those in 2005, 2006 season. I had 132 examples of games, games lost to, to that in 2022, 400, this past season, 401. So we're talking about wow. significantly amount of, of cases and instances of, just vague soreness, right? So again, what's going to stop a team to say, hey, you know, my guy didn't didn't sleep great and he's got lower back stiffness and soreness. We don't want that to turn into a strain, you know, and, and it, that's the frustrating thing because soreness isn't really a diagnosis. It's a, it's a symptom, right? It can be a multitude of underlying issues. It could be back, uh, muscle, it could be bone, you know, it could be a precursor to something more significant. So uh, I think we're still going to see some cases where, we have guys sitting, you know, and part of the problem has always been the players with the spotlight on. That's why we have these rules of, okay, if you qualify as this, then you, you know, you have to play those kinds of things. Cause we obviously want to see the all-star players 
but we've been doing that for a long time and we were okay with it when the outcome was championships, right? Like dunk, the Spurs were one of the first people to start resting people. And at the time it was, it was marveled. Oh, Hey, look how fresh Duncan, Ginobili, Parker look in the playoffs because the teams, you know, the Spurs carefully managed everything. Well, then when it got kind of twisted and we started using that term load management around the, the process where Philly was investing in guys that were were injured. You know, you had Ben Simmons with his foot, Nerlens Noel with his knee, Embiid with his foot for back-to-back seasons. Then we started like, oh, well, they're just resting them to be to be bad and to improve their lottery standing. And so, again, it's back to somewhere in the middle, but we we react to the opposite ends. We react <laughs> to those extreme cases, and we, we tend to lose sight of what we're actually trying to do. Uh, of those 400, and you said 401 instances, Last season, how many of them were the Miami Heat? Are are they the worst <laughs> offender of the manipulation of the injury report? I mean, this is there's a little bit of gamesmanship here too, right? Because you know it's harder for teams to prepare. Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know I had I didn't run it by team by team, but I would guess Miami's high up there, uh, especially because they had those spikes in the season where it was like reactionary to the league, like they had nobody listed, and then all of a sudden they had everybody listed, you know, and so it, you would have these instances and spikes. So it'd be interesting to see team by team, but you know, yeah, there's definitely some gamemanship there, you know, especially on the second night of a back-to-back or things like that. You know, you don't know going into the game who's going to be available, even though you probably do. Yeah. How much of this do you think is about gambling? I mean, we know that injury report and the honesty and accuracy of the injury report and, and sort of the scrutiny there is certainly influenced by the gambling market. How much of this is about the gambling market where, you know, it's hard to, to set lines. If I don't know, you know, if, if Kawhi Leonard may not play tomorrow, but we don't know, you know, if it's a game time decision, that's going to affect the line. And, and, you know, I'm assuming that some of these places that offer gambling services lose money occasionally when stars don't play. Oh, sure. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's, that we would be naive to say that doesn't influence things, right? Like why we want to be more transparent. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I definitely think it's nice for, well, and the crazy thing is, is, certain teams are even more transparent than others. You'll get a detailed injury report from some teams where we're talking, I know the individual muscle involved. And then, like you said, we get this vague soreness, like from Miami, we don't, we don't necessarily know what's going on. And, and so that transparency is good and, and bad. And, and I do think that it, it does affect, affect the line, bottom line, right? Like it does influence because that, that makes things harder to, to gauge and it makes you're less likely to bet on a game those kinds of things as well. If you don't know who's going to be in it. So maybe that potentially ruins just some of the, the money that they would potentially take in. So it, it, look, I'll, I'll be honest. Some of the people that have been most adamant about contacting me about getting access to my injury database have been gambling companies and they, they want to know, you know, look for trends and things like that. So they can potentially influence, you know, see, see how it would potentially shape lines. Um, but obviously I, I've stayed away from that at this point, you know, cause I don't, I don't, I know once I go down that rabbit hole, I'm there, but, uh, and I'm more curious from the league's league standpoint or, or the overall health of the league. That's really why I, I do what I do. So um, it's, 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 it's a slippery slope to navigate, that's for sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. So let's say the player resting policy is adhered to let's say everyone follows the letter of the law and we see guys stars play 82 games or 75 games what are some of the maybe hidden side effects some things that we're not thinking about where the lack of rest might affect it i mean is it going to be as simple as higher injury risk or do you think teams might adjust and we see even lower minutes load. So like, you know, a starter may play 35, 36, 37 minutes under normal circumstances. We see that cut down, you know, like the Warriors a couple of years ago, they played Steph Curry. He's like 32 minutes a game. I mean, is that, are we going to move to that sort of league? That's if this policy works. Sure. I, I think, I think it's one of those scenarios where, Everything is going to be examined because bottom line, you said at the beginning, mitigating risk is the goal, right? Like anytime you lace it up and step on the court, you're at risk, even if you're in the green, right? Like just say you're, the team employs a rating system to see if you are ready to go. And that's how they define loan management and go from there. If you're in the green, you could still suffer a broken arm or you could, you know, you've all kinds of different things can happen. Even if you're in the green, you, we cannot cannot eliminate injury from the game and we don't want to want to eliminate basketball from the from the formula right so we've got to find a happy game how can we play by also mitigating risk and and the thing that also makes us tricky back to what we talked about is every team even though they're using similar concepts have different ways to green light a guy or decide that this guy is going to be um you know flagged and potentially rested on this day some teams do it you know two weeks out other teams do it two hours out okay hey you might be in the yellow category for us, but you come in and you tell me you're feeling bad. Okay, that's subjective information from the from the player. That's important to potentially gauging should they play or not. And so I, I think you've got to, again, find these concessions. Um, and, and I think the thing that goes on this untalked about a little bit is, yes, the technology and the treatment plans and the, the way we travel has improved, but the game has changed as well. And the game is, we're asking more and more of these players. We're asking you know, our big men to close out on three pointers. That, that just wasn't something you had, you had Barkley didn't have to worry about that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Shaq didn't have to worry about that. Now we're asking them to cover more ground and, and e- that doesn't even necessarily talk about pace 
of uh, the game because I know the pace has fluctuated through the through the various eras. But bottom line is we haven't think about that. So what I think I'm trying to say here is even though we've evolved medically, the game and the players have evolved even quicker than that, and we're still trying to catch up to stay there. So to m- completely mitigate and lower that risk, we've got to do things. And does this help? Yes, but it, it's not. It's it's not going to eliminate. It's not going to completely eliminate the risk. I mean, you saw it a couple years back. Luca gets injured in that last game of the season and misses the first several games of that series against Utah with the calf strain. And it, it was, you know, it just, it just happens. And so I think the teams that are the, the people that are saying, Oh, he should have been out there. We should arrest him. You can't have that and eliminate, you know, and be frustrated when he's not playing on a nationally televised game one in the playoffs. So it's, it's this balance that we're kind of going to, I think we're just going to continue to yo-yo and you've got to have concessions and understand all parties involved. Risk is a part of it. How can we collectively mitigate it? And what is what is our concession going to be from that? And I think at this point, we're kind of swinging maybe a little bit more in one way to the teams are potentially being a little bit more conservative. Now the league's overreacting a little. And again, I say overreacting very loosely, but and, and when really can we find some other happy medium? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole new collective bargaining agreement, right? Like right. But it's not yeah. nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with playing time. And, and you know, it's back to, you know, again, when we start tying incentives to contracts to playing time and things like that, now we're talking about all these parties and awards and, now, you know, yeah, you, it's a 65 game threshold. So that's certainly going to have an effect. And not only are, are we playing faster and, you know, more above the rim and asking people to do more with the same fragile joints that we've had for, you know, a couple million years now. So uh, I think that that's one of the bigger issues is that the the human body is kind of unpredictable on its own, right? Like as much as we've learned, we still can't guess when that guy's going to tear an ACL. Yeah. And, and the things that make these guys so amazing are the things that also make them inherently risky you know like zion, everyone loves zion right and everyone's frustrated with zion's track record of injury but what makes him zion and is because he's as big and fast as he is and that's really hard on the joints like you said you know um and that i'm interested to see how Wimbenyama does i mean he, it's a guy that he is a statistic or a physical anomaly in terms of what we've seen with before and i i'm, I'm marveled and i'm very interested in hearing all the stuff that he does on a day-to-day basis with his feet and working his way up that's great you know, is that still going to help mitigate the risk that says taller guys inherently are more prone to injury and those kinds of things. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's, it's, it's an evolving science is really what it boils down to. And it's, it's evolving. It should be evolving from everybody. And I feel, I still think everyone's trying to figure out what line in the sand they need to draw. And it's just, it, it needs to be more of a collaborative spider web than necessarily this like definitive linear path that, that a lot of people try to make it. Yeah, well, hopefully this all works out. And, you know, we see not only guys playing more, but a huge downtick in injuries. That's it would be, best it would of be both great. worlds. That's what we want. Jeff Stotts from InStreetClothes.com and InStreetClothes on Twitter. Thanks for coming on the show and going over the player rest policy because you, you really were the first guy I thought of because I don't think you were first to talk about the injuries and, and, and recovery times and whatnot and got my attention and so I I wanted to get your take on this so thanks for joining me here on the Athletic NBA show that's going to do it for today's episode we'll catch you guys on Friday with an episode of Nerder She Wrote